Wanting a boost of serotonin? Today's episode of Talking Trading will do that for you. Hello and welcome. I'm Caroline Stephen. Today's special guest is Dr. Tim Sharp, the Chief Happiness Officer and founder of the Happiness Institute. Aristotle said that happiness depends on ourselves. Well, in today's interview with Dr. Tim, we look at the positive psychology movement, how it works, and we discuss some of the habits of the happy and the successful, and we look at techniques to boost your efficacy, humor, and confidence. Who doesn't want a bit of that? We bring in the Stoics, Frederick the Great, and Frank Dern. But first, let's hear Louise Bedford and her take on habits in Mind Power. It's time for a shift. Do you know that the book iGen says that 40% of children under the age of 15 spend five hours or more in front of a screen every day? Those that spend an hour or less actually have lower rates of depression, suicide, they're happier at school and their grades are higher. Coincidence? I think not. But what about your own habits? We know that children absorb directly from the adults that they associate with. They are not just media junkies taking in ads and only getting influence from their friends. We know that our influence as adults has a huge impact on the way that they live their lives. So how about your screen time? How do you spend your leisure time? Could it be better used reading a book about trading, learning about how to increase your wealth thermostat? Could it be that you are in front of a screen too much? These days, social media has become more and more addictive. We are hooked like dopamine addicts to the screen. We love it when people give us a like. We feel fantastic when we get to share the highlight reel of our own life. And some of us even imagine our friends with their poor pitiful life. So you've got a double-edged sword. And the other aspect is that we compare our lives to the highlight reel of other people's lives. Social media has become so addictive that we can't turn away. We have notifications flashing up on our phone on every device that we have, disturbing our sleep. How can you alter that behaviour? Do you need to set a time limit? Do you need to go cold turkey? Turn off the notifications on your phone. Detach it from your phone so that it's no longer on your phone at an arm's reach. Because, do you know, I see people come in the door after work and I see how they greet their spouses. Even some members of my own family, it's like, eh, you're home. Instead of greeting each other like you're a Labrador that's been locked inside for half an hour. If we could greet our spouse with the enthusiasm of a Labrador, imagine, just imagine what that could do for our marriage. Imagine what that could do for your spouse's mindset. Do you think that potentially that spouse could be more receptive to your views if you actually looked after that person's needs? I think yes. Have a look today and see who you can greet as if you're a Labrador. Monitor your screen time and learn more about trading so that you can live the trader's life. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Anthony Saliba, and I listen to Talking Trading with Caroline. Dr. Martin Seligman is credited as being the father of positive psychology. He started a new movement when in 1998, as president of the American Psychological Association, he declared that psychologists needed to study what made people happy. He argued that at the time, psychology was only half-baked. It focused on people's problems and had forgotten the other side of the equation, looking at people's strengths. This signaled a new movement called positive psychology. Dr. Tim Sharp is Australia's own Dr. Happy, and he is also at the forefront of the positive psychology movement. He is the founder and chief happiness officer at the Happiness Institute of Australia. And we welcome Dr. Tim to the show. Dr. Happy, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hi there, and uh, thanks so much for having me. The Chief Happiness Officer. I love this title. Tell us about the positive psychology movement, how it's different from traditional psychology, and tell us about the Happiness Institute. Um, Well, I'll go back to the beginning. My background is in clinical psychology, clinical and academic psychology. So I started out as a fairly traditional therapist, but working in an academic setting. So I did uh, PhD research and did some teaching um, and then went off and built a, built my own, what ultimately became quite a large private practice. But that was in a fairly traditional area. So we were treating people with stress, depression, anxiety, relationship difficulties. But because I was based in Sydney CBD, I started to see more and more professionals and business people. So I moved a bit more into the area of coaching and then eventually um, discovered the very early stages of positive psychology. So the difference being that traditionally psychology has focused on deficits and weaknesses and how we can fix them. So where's someone going wrong in their life and how can we help them go a bit better? What did your parents do wrong? Blame it on your parents. And and, and what are you doing wrong? And positive psychology shifted um, by asking, I guess, at a very simple level, a different question, what's going right uh, and what's best in you? Um, Now, what's important to state, I think, is they're not mutually exclusive. So um, all of my clinical psychology background is still very relevant. But positive psychology has a much greater focus on thriving and flourishing and success, I suppose, how we can live our best possible lives. So a very simple metaphor that's often used that that helps people understand it is that traditionally psychology is focused on helping people go from minus 10 to zero, so minus 10 being distress and dysfunction, back to zero, which is kind of okayness. Whereas positive psychology says, why stop there? What if we can go from zero to positive 10? And then to answer your final question, the Happiness Institute is is really all about promoting the principles of positive psychology. Okay, so you said that positive psychology is about happiness and success, and that's exactly what I want to talk about during this interview. So I'm going to start with a quote from Aristotle. Happiness depends on ourselves. So looking at the habits of happy and successful people, number one, the power of stories, Dr. Tim. Stories shape the way we think the way we feel. Our stories matter, especially the stories we tell ourselves. I'm going to bring stoicism into it. But stoicism, the philosophy, had nothing to do with being stony-faced or not showing emotion. Stoicism says that while we can't control everything that happens, we can control how we respond. And Frederick the Great, the Russian king, Prussian king, was said to ride with the works of the Stoics in his saddlebags because they could, in his words, sustain you in misfortune. Tell us about the stories. 
Uh, yeah, look, that's very true. I uh, agree with pretty much all that. I, I will just go back to the first quote you said, and, and, and I think so. this has been one of the criticisms of positive psychology in a way, and of psychology more generally, that there's almost an exclusive focus on the individual and what he or she can do. And and look, I'm, I'm a, a supporter of that because I do think we need to take responsibility. But it is important, I think, to state that situational and contextual and environmental factors do play a role. So where we grew up, for example, um, that the environment in which we learned what we learned, um, those things are important and can't be completely ignored. Uh, but that being said, uh, as you hinted at in one of those quotes, um, we can't control all of those factors. We can we can control some of them. We can change some of them. But really, um, one of the things I love about positive psychology is that it is about taking control of those parts of the life, uh, of those aspects of life that we do have control over. And if we focus more on those aspects and less on the things we don't have control over, well, that's actually a great thing. That that enhances our sense of self-efficacy, which is an important psychological construct. And we know that people that, that have higher levels of self-efficacy and, and related things like confidence, I suppose, and their ability to do things tend to be happier and more successful. Okay. So here are some strategies to tell yourself better stories. I'm going to mention them and perhaps you can tell us a bit about them. Number one, strengthen your memory for positive information. Oh, very much so. So that's, uh, in some ways, that's another way of talking about a very well-known and age-old approach called the practice of gratitude and appreciation. So we know that people that focus more on what they have, less on what they don't have. We know that people that that actively look for the good things in their life and, and are actively grateful and appreciative and thankful for them tend to be happier and healthier and, and more successful as well. And, you know, the good news is it's a relatively simple thing we can all do every day. And the return on investment, so to speak, is quite massive. Again, people that practice gratitude regularly uh, enjoy many more positive emotions. Generate positive emotions while watching fun videos. Yeah, look, that's a nice simple thing we can do um, to boost our mood quite quickly. Um it's a fairly superficial one, so I wouldn't say it necessarily goes deep. And it is important to differentiate between you know, superficial, fleeting, positive emotions that we can enjoy uh, while listening to a happy song or you know, a positive song or, or by watching a funny video. And, th- and those things are important. Those positive emotions are important. But what positive psychology is really about is thriving and flourishing, and that's a deeper, more meaningful sense of life satisfaction. And so that also includes, um, which says, so there's nothing wrong with having fun and watching a funny video, but what we also need to attend to if we want to live a long, authentically happy life is things like meaning and purpose, engaging in activities that are meaningful and purposeful, working towards long-term meaningful goals, uh, building positive relationships, a whole bunch of other stuff as well. All right, so working towards long-term meaningful goals. A lot of people don't know what they are in their lives. How do you recommend people find them? Yeah, look, that's 100% true. I am, um, uh, you know, I've been working in this area for several decades now. And in some way or other, I've had thousands of people come to me saying something like they want to be happier. Um, but when I ask them something along the lines of, well, what does that mean? What does a happy life or what does a great life look, look like for you? Uh, most people struggle to answer that. And that goes to your question. Most people don't know what their long-term goals are. They don't know what their perfect life looks like. And you can't ever achieve that if you don't even it's almost, and it's trying to hit a target that's not even there or, or you can't even see. Um, so that's the first step I often work with is, is helping people define uh, happiness and helping people define their best possible lives and then breaking that down into long-term meaningful goals. Um, now, as I said, how do you do that? Well, it's not easy. And so for many of us, uh, well, some people can clarify that, which is great. But for some people, it's, it's really a lifelong project. 
I want to talk about confidence and action. There's an old joke where a man says, I really want to go to medical school, but it takes at least seven years and I'll be 50 in seven years. And a wise friend replies, well, how old will you be in seven years if you don't go? Let's talk about the importance of action in building confidence. Yeah, I've heard that little story too, and I love it. It's um, it's a great one because so many people put off their goals till some magical state. You know, it's like I'll start when, or I'll be happy when. I've actually written quite a lot about what I call the tyranny of when, and we uh, we never we never really get there. Um, but there's another sort of similar saying, which is that you know the best time to start something might have been yesterday, but the next best time is today. Um, uh, the other thing that you've touched on there is an important thing that too often people wait for motivation. Or, or energy or excitement or, or perfect conditions before they get underway. And, um, you know, what we know about the best people, the happiest people, the most successful people is that they just do stuff regardless. That they, you know, whether they feel like it or not almost, um, they get started on what they know is important. They do it tomorrow. I guess it's a bit like uh, one of the examples I often give when I'm talking about some of these things is, is exercise, uh, partly because I'm passionate about exercise, <laughs> um, but also because it's a nice tangible example. Um, and people sometimes say to me, you know, how do you how, how do you feel so motivated to go to the gym every day? Or um, and I say, well, I don't always feel motivated, but I do it anyway because I know it's important. I know there are so many benefits. I know I'll feel better once I get there. So there's a bit of a myth that we need to feel motivated before we do things. But the reality is, if we do things, we'll then feel more motivated. Procrastination is the language of the poor. Action mm. is the language of the rich. Very odd. Wouldn't disagree with that at all. <laughs> and I, well, I, I could almost, uh, I could, you could, you could insert their happiness instead of happy instead of rich. Um, action is very much the language of the happy. Um, you know, happy people do more stuff, um, and not just any stuff, but important stuff. I suppose meaningful things, things that are important to them in their lives. Okay. Now, I think you interviewed Frank Dern. I do. I do. Do you know Frank? <laughs> well, I know the story. Let me tell the story and then oh. please add to it. So Frank oh. did a book on positive aging. And one of the things that you found inspirational was that he was running full marathons at the age of 82. You asked him no. in the middle of winter how he managed to get out of bed every day and keep running. And his response was both simple and profound. It's just what I do, said Frank. Yeah, very much. So it was actually my book that I so I, I wrote the book on, um, it's called uh, Live Happier, Live Longer. And I interviewed Frank as part of that. It was a book about positive aging. And I was introduced to Frank through my brother, who is a, also a runner. Uh, but that's, that's exactly right. And, and that was such a, such a simple but inspirational response because, um, and I often use this when I'm talking to people because this is what I encourage people to do. Um, Frank had learned uh, over many years that for him, running was vitally important to his to his great life uh, for a number of reasons. It was for, for the health benefits, for the sense of accomplishment and achievement. It was also a social exercise because he was part of a running group. So he was part of this, uh, I guess, family in a way. So, so there were all sorts of benefits. And that's why he knew that it was so important and that what, why he just had to do it regardless. Um, and this is what I encourage people to think about. But once you, or we all need to work out what our important activities are um for frank it was running for other people it might be other things, but you know whether it's exercise whether it's meditation whether it's whether it's um you know a financial savings plan whether it's building positive relationships or all of the above but once we know those things what what we know from the best people the most successful people is that they essentially make those things non-negotiable and said that so they do them regardless of how they're feeling regardless of the weather regardless of, of whatever else is going on in the world because they're important now 
I guess at the same time, we need to be a bit flexible sometimes. So it's, it's probably good not to be too rigid. But more often than not, if you can stick to your guns, if you can, uh, again, I think it's, a, you know, it's the same with saving. You just put aside a certain amount of money every day or invest a certain amount of money every day or every week. They're the sorts of things that over the long term, they add up. So every run counts, every dollar counts, every smile counts. Um, and I guess like the financial metaphor in a way, in, in happiness and success terms, you, you start to see, um, you know, compound interest, I suppose. You get exponential growth rather than just sort of linear growth. So it should be automatic. It definitely as much as possible. Uh, again, I, I don't really, I don't think every day whether I'm going to go to the gym or not. I just know I'm going to go. Whatever those important things are for you, uh, you need to work them out and you need to find a way to make them as regular as routine as possible. Because if you don't, um, life just gets in the way and they never get done. I'd like to talk about minimalism. Humans are hardwired to be dissatisfied. It's a motivating force that helps us thrive. As sociologist and economist Juliet Shaw says, we don't want more things. We want things that we think will bring us the feeling of being whole and content. So let's look at the power of minimalism and the 1990 rule. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, similar to what I referred to earlier, is the tyranny of when. Um, you know, so many of us live so much of our lives saying, I'll be happy when, and often that involves having more stuff or you know, more money or a bigger house or a faster car or more clothes or more gadgets, whatever it might be. Um, but we know that doesn't necessarily work because, as you said, we are wired to, uh, well, we get used to stuff. Um, so one, one of the greatest things about human beings is that we're very adaptable, um, and that's fantastic. That's, that's why we're so resilient in so many ways. But when it comes to happiness, it can actually work against us because as we have more, and, and most of us do as we go through life, we do get more. Our, our salary increases a bit. You know, we start to wear slightly nicer clothes or have a slightly nicer car or whatever. But rather than making us happier, we just get used to higher and higher levels of, of quality. We just spend more and more. And so that, that adaptability that works for us in some contexts works against our happiness because we just, you know, we don't enjoy more and more. Uh, we just get used to it. And then uh, what also comes into that is another psychological phenomenon called social comparison. So that's when we look next door or we look on Instagram or we try to compare and keep up with the Joneses and we see that no matter how many people have less than us, we tend to see those people that have more than us. And we see those people that have the faster car or the bigger house. And so that's when all of that feeds into dissatisfaction. And um, that's something, you know, that's a, that's a, a reason why so many people who have so much um, aren't as happy as they could be. But the good news is if we become aware of that, we can undo it in effect. We can, we can mitigate against those effects. So if we become aware of it, we can um, stop some of that social comparison. We can practice more gratitude and appreciation and we can be happier with what we have and happier with a lot less. And this is where minimalism comes in. And the 1990 rule is, have I used this in the last 90 days? And if not, am I going to use it in the next 90 days? If not, chuck it out. Definitely. Well, I, I kind of do a similar thing every every six or twelve months. I I go through my closet and um, and yeah, if I haven't worn something for a year, I well, I don't chuck it out. I give it to, to charity. And stay tuned next week for part two of Doctor Happy. I'm Caroline Stephen. See you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now.
The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation. Want to know the hottest sectors in the Aussie market? Now's your chance. Download my free Hot or Not special report from tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not. That website again, tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not.